none of it I'd have done it for ego. If I did, I would, you know, be adamant about needing to sit there and be there 10 years later to receive those accolades, but it's not. Everything I've built, I've built with other people. It has been a collective. Welcome to Ecosystems for Change, where we co-author the playbook on transforming communities by amplifying the impact of changemakers around us. Whether you are an entrepreneur or otherwise changemaker yourself, a citizen who loves their community with a passion and wants to see it thrive, whether you are a mentor, investor, support organization, advisor, philanthropic funder, economic developer, or policymaker, Learn the practical tools and proven tactics of ecosystem builders from all around the world to better support the dreamers, doers, tinkerers, and makers in your community by taking a systems approach to social change. I'm your host, Annika Horn. In today's episode, I want to introduce you to my longtime friend and OG ecosystem builder, Larkin Garby. As a starter, Larkin has put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into jump-starting entrepreneurial support initiatives, both in Richmond, Virginia, as well as nationally. As we sit down, we talk about handing initiatives over to people who can carry them forward and the upside of spending over a decade in an ecosystem. Join me on a trip back home to Richmond, Virginia. Larkin Garby. You have been mentioned in, I think, every single season of this podcast. Um, you were part of the very first episode that I ever aired because I credit you and Todd for being the OGs who pulled me into ecosystem building. So it has taken a long time to have you on the show, but I'm really, really glad you're here. Thank you for coming. Thank you so much for having me. You know, I'm a glutton for ecosystem building. <laughs> Um, it's a bit of a trick question because I know you actually do this, but that means you probably have a lot of really good answers. If someone was coming to your ecosystem in Richmond, Virginia for the first time, where would you take them? How, how long do I get to have them? Is it for a whole day or do I just get a little stop? You have them for the whole day. So we're looking for the highlights. Okay. All right. Well, if it's the whole day, then we're probably going to start off at the Urban Hang Suite for breakfast, which is a Black-owned coffee shop. Um, there's a woman named Kelly Lemon that owns um, that business. And she also is one of the partners of something called the Jackson Ward Collective, which is um, a collective supporting the um, Black entrepreneurs in the city of Richmond. And she actually was doing the coffee shop before she launched into her work in ecosystem building. Um, but she is a wonderful person that's contributed greatly to the Richmond community. Um, alongside Melody Short and Rashida Creighton, who are her partners on the Jackson Ward Collective. But yeah, I'd start off there. We'd have coffee. We'd walk around um, kind of the the Jackson Ward area and show you some murals and kind of give you some of the history of what was formerly the, the Black Wall Street of Richmond. It's also close to the Biotech Park, which is, you know, kind of the next. Richmond's similar to New York where there's, you know, boroughs, if you'll think about a similar vibe where you can literally one street over, you're in another neighborhood. Um, so if you go from Jackson Ward, you're in into kind of the city center where the biotech park is. So you could kind of see Altria, which is one of the big Fortune 500s here. I think we have about nine Fortune 500s in the Richmond, um, in Richmond. So, you know, they have a stake over there. Um, if you're not familiar, Altria is the parent company of Philip Morris and Kraft Foods and probably many other um, household names that you would be aware of, but they're located in the biotech research park. They've done a lot of work. Um, the biotech park um, also 
has activation capital under its umbrella. So you could kind of, you know, they've been evolving and supporting things like Startup Virginia, Lighthouse Labs, other, um, you know, Jackson Ward Collective, some of the, the ecosystem building groups in the community. And then I would probably take you up to Church Hill around lunchtime. So we'd do the morning around Jackson Ward. We'd go up to Church Hill, um, you know, again, seeing some of the main street businesses of our community. There's a place called Proper Pie. They have the most um, delicious hand pies that you've, you, could, you could ever imagine. They're um, savory pies and sweet pies. And this again, this neighborhood is a neighborhood that's got, you know, kind of had these pop-up restaurant and food experiences. But, you know, we'd grab proper pies. We'd go sit on Libby Hill Park, which is one of the, I guess, probably the highest view of the city. And you can sit and overlook the whole, you know, kind of downtown footprint and the river from there. And then I'd probably take you on an after lunch tour. We'd walk over the pipeline, which is a pipe that actually goes over top of the class five rapids. You go down by the canal, um, the canal walk and the flood wall and kind of have a little outdoor, you're gonna need to walk off the proper pie that I fed you at lunch. <laughs> and then we'll swing over to Manchester. There's a company called Belle Isle Moonshine that is um, a Richmond born and bred company. They make different kind of flavored moonshines and they've been a really, really great supporter of the Richmond ecosystem. Um, any event that I've ever hosted from the beginning of time, they were wonderful partners and always gave us moonshine whenever we needed it. Um, so we'd go over there and kind of experience their their tasting room in Manchester as our kind of afternoon jaunt. And then let's see, it would be the afternoon would be coming on. So probably take you over to one of my new favorite spots. There's a place called Penny's. So we'd go back to Jackson Ward. And it is, interestingly enough, it's the brother of the woman that I told you we went and had coffee with that morning. Her brother and um, another, his name is Lance, and his um, business partner is a woman named Kristen. They have opened up a Black-owned wine shop in Jackson Board, and um, it's just a wonderful vibe. It's a little, like, you know, kind of tiny little small seating area that, you know, has delicious food and organic wines, and they're extremely knowledgeable on kind of anything you can imagine in the wine world, so... We'd spend our evening there if it was a, uh, or after, afternoon there, if it was a salon for entrepreneurs night, I'd take you to that, which is a, um, an event that I'm one of the hosts of, and there's, I don't know, probably eight or 10 of us in the Richmond community. That's been kind of a really uh, casual meetup that's been going on for over 10 years where the number of hosts and each host is, um, has the obligation to send out invites on their list. And it's just, it's kind of a no pressure. There's no pitches. It's just kind of come and meet and talk to people in the Richmond community that are, in, you know, doing some kind of entrepreneurial venture or, you know, investors and things. So we would go to some event in that evening and just kind of meet up. And then that group would probably go out to dinner at some fabulous restaurant in town and kind of keep, keep the conversations flowing into the evening um, and hope that lots of great connections were made. Perfect. I will let everyone know that Larkin always makes sure that her guests are really well looked after, that they're well fed, that they're well caffeinated, that they have really get a good taste of Richmond when they come and visit. And I have to say, the Salon for Entrepreneurs is to this day one of my go-to examples of how we build community, how we create serendipity, how we just bring people 
how we create a space and bring people in to have conversations that otherwise probably would never happen. They would never run into each other. And I think it is just such a keystone in the Richmond startup community to have that space and to know this is happening and, and have that go to place. Um, great tour through Richmond. Thank you so much, Logan. You were one of the first people I met in the US when I moved to North America eight or nine years ago. So we've obviously been together for a lot of things uh, in my career, in your career. And I know that quitting in the widest sense has been part of that journey um, because quitting is part of just as we evolve as humans, as organizations evolve, as ecosystems shift, there's a lot of transitioning into roles and out of roles. I wanted to ask you, um, what such a quitting moment was for you. You could just pick one or compare them to each other, whatever you feel called to talk about today. Um, maybe I'm a multiple time quitter, right? <laughs> um, so let's see, one moment of quitting an ecosystem building. I would say the first kind of big moment was around um, the... Lighthouse Labs Acceleration, where I had, you know, spent many years helping develop that and had gone to, I went to Korea for a couple of months and had, you know, done a lot of things remotely. And, you know, while I was gone, the organization, I guess I would say, would have evolved. And they came back and, you know, I had been running it with my dear friend and partner, Todd Knuckles. And when I got back, there was decision that there would only be one of us running the organization and um you know it, it, it came down ultimately that that choice was going to be for todd to be the person to run the accelerator and you know it was a, it was a difficult moment because it was something that you know todd and i'd done together you know we were kind of two peas in the pod body and clyde if you will of ecosystem building <laughs> um and so it was hard to kind of you know step away from that and kind of see that evolve, um, but it was necessary. You know, it, it opened up kind of next stage opportunities, and I was able to focus on things like you know did Startup Virginia for a while, and then worked on um, the Startup Champions Network for a while after that. And it, but it was necessary. I mean, you know, I had done, I'd been an ecosystem builder, and I you know run Lighthouse, and it was you know a, a pro bono effort that I'd done for many many years, and was something that was not helping you know, me personally develop, um, you know, financially in my own pathway, um, while it was very fruitful and beneficial, beneficial to the ecosystem at large, you know, it was not probably the best option for me in the long run, um, given what I'd put into it at that point. Isn't that the case for most of our ecosystem builder jobs, right? Um, they're never remunerated enough to show the value of, of time and passion and the labor of love that we put into these things. So I, I certainly hear you on that. I also know that one of the stark differences that I remember from the time that I was living in Toronto was you were leading the Startup Champions Network. You were without a doubt one of the best known national ecosystem builders by leading that organization with a great vision for what needs to happen for our field. And now you are currently working in construction. So there's a big, it feels like that seesaw is constantly tipping one way or the other. Where are you now? And what was that transition away from playing on such a national stage, getting on planes, really being concerned about the field 
and then scaling it way down back to being a local ecosystem builder and and letting that organization evolve in its own right. Sure. Yeah. So that was, um, you know, interestingly, really aligned with COVID world. Um, so the work in, you know, kind of building startup champions network, I came on as the interim executive director and, um, you know, helped kind of stand up some infrastructure from something that was a completely volunteer led organization from volunteers that are already exhausted in their own communities, you know, many people that are giving their time to a local community and then also giving their time to a national organization to run it. So that was a really fun opportunity to be able to professionalize really even the um, the national organization and, and grow that. Um, in that process, uh, we ultimately did a search um, for a permanent executive director um, over the course of many months, kind of at the tail end of that that contract. And, um, you know, in, in that, I would say that that was about January of 2020. So if you think about our timelines, we were a few months into not knowing what was going to completely turn the world upside down. <laughs> um, so, you know, I transitioned out of that at once we placed the a permanent, you know, person in that role and, um, you know, spent some time going hyper local on ecosystem building. So, you know, you mentioned kind of helping build out the field and find the ecosystem builders. And then I was um, living in a very rural 3,300 person town and, um, you know, focused on helping their chamber of commerce <laughs> become a, a focal point for the community. Because uh, what else do you do when you're an eco a displaced ecosystem builder with a lot of pent up energy? <laughs> so um, kind of bootstrapped that into gear. And um, then through COVID, I found myself just really um, disconnecting from a lot. You know, I it just I stopped being on boards. I stopped doing, you know, a lot of work. I did some some contract work on um, like ecosystem uh, measurement work with Tom Chapman, um, which was a lot of fun. But, you know, I, I really stopped fully putting myself in as a kind of pro bono ecosystem builder and focused on myself, um, you know, and growing uh, raised garden beds in my backyard. <laughs> and then I bought another house um, through that process and renovated that during the, the pandemic and, you know, kind of flipped that into another short-term rental Airbnb style um, house, which for me, it's about creation, um, you know, whether I'm creating community and ecosystem building or, you know, taking a property that doesn't have, you know, a sense of place and connectivity. And, you know, I that's what I love about kind of the real estate community is that I can, you know, transform something into, you know, something that I'm proud of, but that attracts people that makes them feel comfortable that, you know, helps them kind of retreat in a way. So kind of filling my own needs of what I need and want and sharing that with other people. Was your withdrawal from sort of technical ecosystem building intentional or was it a just a natural end of that cycle where you felt like, oh, it's time to go do something else for a while? I mean, I think under everything, there's intentionality, whether you set out for it to be or not, right? Like what you really want, you know, I believe that kind of the universe will, it, it, it comes through you in some way. So, you know, I, I was ecosystem building for a really long time and, you know, burnout is a very real thing, but 
I also have kind of an insatiable need to keep on doing things and plugging in and connecting. Um, but just really seeing, you know, and I also had a, a surgery, an unexpected surgery during um, COVID, which forced me to to slow down. So I would say kind of the combination of withdrawing, having surgery, you know, COVID world going on, it kind of created this effect of like just forcing me to pause and reflect and, you know, look into what what brings me joy and, you know, how do how do I want to be connected to people and things? What is life like now? What do you do? How do you spend your time? <laughs> um, so as of this moment in time, um, I am doing some consulting work for a friend of mine that owns a construction company and I'm project managing um, a number of construction projects that are kind of medium scale multifamily projects which, you know, I I have a lot of energy, so it allows me to utilize my energy in, in that space. Um, and so I do that about Monday through Thursday. When I said I would do so, this consulting work, I was intentional. Like, I'm not going to do it full time because I know mm-hmm. even a five-day work week for me is like a seven or eight-day work week. So four, four days was the right thing for me. Um, you know, I've been really good about just trying, like I started exercising a lot and that's something I realized like through ecosystem building I stopped you know I just didn't do a good job of taking care of myself and my body and my health um because it was really easy to get up and be energized and meet people and have coffee meetings in the morning and lunch meetings and you know you spend your day connecting with people locally and all over the world and then you go and you do a networking event or two at night and then you know whether you're hosting and putting on you know just it's it's long hours it, it starts at sometimes five or six on your computer AM. And then I would go till eight, nine, 10, 11 at night, um, you know, taking the trash out at the end of an event or putting on a 54 hour hackathon on a weekend. And, um, you know, really just for me, it was just transitioned a lot away from my health. So I spent the last year, you know, just started running. Um, I'm now on an adult co-ed soccer team. I started rock climbing, um, have squash. Um, I play squash on Wednesdays with a group of wow. entrepreneurs. <laughs> but with that, it's been fun because I've kind of plugged back in. Um, it was actually this past fall, there was a CEO retreat that I hosted at um, my two Airbnbs. And that was kind of my little segue back in is coming mm-hmm. in and um, just reconnecting with, there, uh, you know, some entrepreneurs that had gone through things like the accelerator and, um, I think like Lighthouse Labs that I'd run, but then there were some new founders and just really plugging into this community. And I think there's a group of us that just because of COVID, you know, we all disconnected. So as much as the disconnect was good and healthy, we also kind of craved more intentional relationships and interactions. So I've found that kind of that core group, we've been kind of pushing each other, whether socially, athletically, you know, to do to do things. Um, or even just meet some of the other entrepreneurs that have been, that are newer into the scene, um, you know, kind of through this, like there's a woman named Margaret who initially got me into rock climbing and she's amazing and has all this energy. And, you know, um, now that she's recruited a, a group of us that go and, and climb once a week. Um, and I think, you know, like something like rock climbing has been, I think uh, very, it's fascinating to see the mental challenge that you go through. And as entrepreneurs, like it's, it's a healthy challenge where it forces you to disconnect from whatever else is going on in your brain with your work and, you know, your projects. Um, but you, you also push yourself in a way that it's not, you know, 
don't think it's too aggressive of a push, but it's enough where it's like, you know, I found myself after that first night of rock climbing of like the wall that I couldn't conquer, you know, like I woke up in the morning and thinking about it and like, how could I do it differently and, you know, go back and approach it. And just, um, but you also have to kind of build your strength, which just takes time. Yeah. Um, you can't just conquer it overnight. You have to kind of build that up. So, and there's a healthy amount of fear you have to have and uh, willingness to overcome that and jump off the wall and come back down. <laughs> That sounds awesome. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen it as this lichen, but but I certainly have sort of watching you over this almost last decade, just doing what you do, doing it really well, doing it with a lot of dedication. I find that you are an excellent starter because you bring the vision and the energy that is needed to jumpstart so many things that didn't exist before. But then as it goes with starters, you're not always a person who's going to drive it for the next 10 years. And like, just, you're not the CEO guy in the sense, uh, guy, certainly not a guy anyway. You are not the CEO person who then will just do the same thing for the next 10 years, right? So as you look back onto the organizations and the efforts that you helped jumpstart with so much care and love and passion and then stepped away to let someone else run it, how does that feel? Because I know that every time you do that, you give a part of yourself into the ecosystem and it stays there and it sort of nurtures everything that comes after. But you're never the one who gets the 10-year anniversary of Lighthouse Labs, of SCN, of like all the other efforts you've done. You, you're never the one who gets the recognition 10, 15 years in, which I think you should. But how do you how do you manage that expectation and the emotions of jumpstarting over and over and then handing it over to other people? So I think it's some, you know, when I start, I'm, I'm definitely, yeah, I'm definitely a starter. I think you're completely dead on with that. And I think a lot of us in early ecosystem building, that is who we are, what our role is, you know, it was to literally create something out of nothing, you know, to take, to create a vision and get it, you know, bring the vision to reality. Um, you know, I think the way you talk about it, it, it's very much the way that I work is that I don't do it, I, you know, none of it, I have done it for ego. Um, if I did, I would, you know, be adamant about needing to sit there and be there 10 years later to receive those accolades, but it's not. Um, and when I, I build, I've, everything I've built, I've built with other people. It has been a collective. And I think that's really what, you know, they're, I think almost all of the organizations that I've done on the nonprofit side are, are still there and growing and figuring out their next iterations. Um, but I think that's, you know, they're still around because of, you know, it's important to bring people to uh, other people to the table early on. Um, so I wouldn't say, you know, it's not, I'm actually, when I think about it, like it makes me, I'm very proud. It, it feels like being a teacher, I think, you know, that's the way mm -hmm. I can kind of equate this of seeing you know, you pour a lot, I think teachers pour a lot of time and energy into their students, right? And I think of the students as both the organizations and the entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. um, but ultimately, it's not even, it's not, it's not even the organization, right? The organization is just the conduit to the entrepreneurs. So it's hearing those stories, you know, that's where like, I, that's my 10 year prize, my 10 year win is, you know, seeing that founder that whether they have had a great exit or a great next turn in their career or their life or something where 
that company didn't work out, but they use those resources, those connections, everything they learned from it to shut it down and start something else or go work for somebody else as a better, you know, now because they run a business, they have the skills to be a great employee in the right environment. Um, but, you know, that's, I, I feel like there's been a lot of, a lot of wins. We, they're one of our company, one of our first lighthouse companies just had an exit, um, I think a month or two ago. And, you know, it was somebody that I knew him literally right out of college. Um, and when he joined, it was uh, Joe Bell Sterling with Major Clarity and it's an, an ed tech startup that, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here watching this guy who was just kind of trying to figure it out and going to go do this thing after college. And, it, you know, he had a lot of passion and drive for it, but he's now grown up and not a college kid anymore and, you know, had a success. Um, so I don't know. It, that's yes, yeah, that's the upside of it. That's that's the win on you know what we hope for as ecosystem builders that they all have exits and financial returns. Um, but you know the other thing too that's made me really proud is that the founders are coming back to the table that we have fed into. We have very much a founder first community um, approach. That was something that Todd and I from the very beginning, and you were amazingly helpful in instilling this and helping us carry it out in the Richmond community. But just that. It's really the founders helping founders, um, you know, the more they can, they're just two steps ahead of each other. And so I, after this retreat, some of the founders got together and they want to see things, you know, change or different in the ecosystem. And I kind of challenged them to say like, okay, it's up to you, go back and do it. And so they did, they went back and kind of to the local ecosystem building organizations. And, you know, they're getting to a point where they have a little more time on their hands and, and they understand why it's so important to not just be, you know, the receiver of the benefits of this, but they actually have to participate in, you know, the cycle of ecosystem development and, you know, be that next stage mentor for the next company. So that's, that's a win. <laughs> that is like the ultimate goal, I think, is to see these makers and doers and tinkers come up, be successful, whatever that means to them. But then really being at a stage of saying, okay, so now how do you want to pay it forward to the next generation? And for you to be have been alongside them for so many years, you are one of the few people who really gets to experience that and have those conversations. That's got to be really fun. That's awesome. Yes, it is. Um, also, because you've been in Richmond forever, how has the ecosystem changed? I'm kind of get a kick out of the fact that you're sitting in this really beautiful innovation center now with um, one of the organizations that you started, Startup Virginia. But certainly when it started, it was you and a few more people. We were in the building over on 17th Street, I think. And it was so different. And here we are six or five years later and it's blossomed into something completely different. How has the ecosystem evolved over the last 10 years, 15 years, whatever time frame makes sense? I would say it's now it, it's become a destination. It, it, it was definitely not a destination when we started. There was a significant amount of doubt, um, both from the investor and the founder community. And I think we've overcome that, you know, and I've, I've shared the story a number of times of just when we started building out Richmond's ecosystem you know, the investors were literally saying there's nothing worth investing in. <laughs> and that's a, a real uh, harsh statement and tough pill to swallow. And that's what you're working against as an ecosystem builder. Um, but I guess I'm stubborn enough to not listen to what other people say and, and push for like a good entrepreneur. <laughs> um, 
So now, you know, there's venture groups that are established, you know, Richmond has become a model across the state where a lot of the other ecosystems have looked to what we have done here to try to replicate that in their own communities. Um, the entrepreneurs, I was actually at dinner last night with a group um, after one of the socials from the Startup Virginia community. And there's a founder that has moved here. She came through Lighthouse Labs and she's from Cedar Rapid. And, um, and No Limbit is her company name and they build kind of, she creates um, adaptive clothing for people who are amputees or people who have um, mobility issues. And she went on Shark Tank and got one, you know, one of the sharks or her, Mark Cuban, I think is one of her, uh, it picked her up. <laughs> so she um, she chose, she came here for Lighthouse Labs for the program. And then she has since moved here and her um, partner, he's moved here with her as well. And, you know, like they've established, like they just moved into their house two, two days ago that they bought. And I said, you know, what did you come to Richmond just for lighthouse or was there something you know and she'd come she'd come for the accelerator and so if you had you know in the beginning when we started the work if like that didn't happen people were not choosing to come to richmond to stay here to build their roots and you know grow their companies whereas now there's there is very much that you know there's definitely like a lot of the companies that are in this building are getting their you know their higher like somebody else was telling me yesterday that he just hired his um you know one of his top program you know one of his programmers on his team and they they want to be like they want to come and work in the office in richmond and you know we were joking of like when he started that search there was you know like good luck just finding somebody that will be richmond based much less want to you know like they'll probably be somewhere else that's going to be where to find them but no like that's so it's really fun to see that evolution um, you know, that's obviously what economic development wants to see <laughs> uh, happen because you're relocating people to a community. But, you know, I don't think that's, you know, the, the, the you want to see that culture grow and develop. But, you know, really, I think it comes back to that our earlier statements and conversation about just there's a lot of gratitude. There's a lot of kindness around the entrepreneurs here. Um, and that's just really exciting and refreshing to see that because, I think, you know, it's easy to go into some of your bigger markets or bigger communities and there's that kind of take-take mentality. Um, but just being around of just a group of really kind founders that want to see each other make it to the next level, like you, you can feel that culture here. I think so too. I think it's a very unique, yeah, culture is probably the best word to describe it, that once you are in that ecosystem, there's a lot of paying it forward. There's a lot of conversation around how can I help you and what do you need? And I love that about Richmond. I think it's a perfect size and a testament to the work that you've been doing and, and many of the other people who have supported these efforts over the last 10 years. Do you remember when I was just starting out with you and Lighthouse, the conversation was always, we just need one exit. We just need like this one story of success. And I was like, I'm so tired of hearing it. I'm sure we already have some success. And here we are a few years later and... There are so many stories of success. Um, mm -hmm. Answers mm -hmm. Now, Joe Belt Sterling, uh, Nightingale Ice Cream. And I think you've had your hand in almost all of them. <laughs> you can take some credit in, in helping those guys <laughs> move forward. So that is wonderful. I would love to move on to the rapid fire round. Um, but before we do so, where can people connect with you? What's the best way to get in touch? 
let's see, best way, probably, I would say email is still good. I have my old school Larkin at 804rva.com email address. So you can shoot me comments there. Okay. People, uh, you can email Larkin. Use this gently. She's a very busy woman, but she knows a lot about ecosystem <laughs> building. Um, are there any events in 2023 where we can hope to see you in person? Um, Lighthouse Labs of their upcoming, you know, demo days. I'm going to go meet the founders. There's a public outing in the middle of March where they will all get to meet meet the new cohort. So I'll, I'll be around Richmond for sure. I don't have any national travel plans at the moment, um, but we'll be around the city here, at least for various things coming. Perfect. Thank you. Um, Lycan, we're going to go into the rapid fire round where I start a sentence and you get to finish it. <laughs> First one, quitting is? Can be the best thing you've ever done. Yes. An ecosystem builder that everyone should know about is? Ooh. I'm going to go to Todd Knuckles. Perfect. I agree. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Do I get to elaborate on him or not? <laughs> um, you certainly can. He was on the show in season four. So everybody who wants okay. to get a taste of so, Todd Knuckles can find him. Listen to season four, Todd Knuckles. He was my he was my OG who showed up on my doorstep and um, found me and we, we connected and grew, grew things together. The Clyde to your Bonnie. I agree. Mm -hmm. um, lastly, what is one resource that influenced you that you would recommend to other ecosystem builders? Startup Champions Network going to the summits. That was the most influential thing for me to keep pushing myself forward and be able to go out and just connect with other people like me. It's just not the same as what you find in your own community. You you have people locally, but you know, I think leaving that environment, getting into another space and having a group of people that can be open and honest and candid about the work and willing to share their resources. I think it's a really unique it's not just it's not a conference to go to a conference where you go and you know consume speeches from the stage it's the after hours events and the conversations that happen uh, between the, the the conversations i'd say it's the south by southwest of ecosystem building oh. is the sort of champions network uh, summit i second that um and by the time this airs you will still have time to buy your tickets for the june summit in washington dc Lycan, thank you so much for making the time. Thank you for showing up, even though you've been sick and you're busy and you do a lot of things. I really appreciate it. And hope to have you back on the show when the next decade is up. Absolutely. If you want to connect with Lycan, you can do so via email at lycan at 804rva.com or simply join her at the next Salon for Entrepreneurs in Richmond. If you'd like for me to talk about ecosystem building for social change in your community, on your podcast, or at your event, please contact me at socialventurers.com. I pay my respect to the traditional custodians of the land on which I work and live, the Monacan, Shawandasetula, and Monahawk people. I recognize their continuing connection to land, water, and community. I pay respect to elders past, present, and emerging. This episode was produced by Yellow House Media.